Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tim. And this is Get On Board, a podcast about games worth playing. Join us every week for great analysis on board games, pick fives, reviews, and all sorts of other entertaining board game talk. Welcome to another episode of Get On Board. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And today we have a special episode. It is about my third and Andrew's first visit to a con. Heck yeah, it is. Super pumped. If that wasn't uh, special enough, we also have a special guest with us today. Hello. This is Steven. There you go. (laughs) So Steven is a guy. As Steven does. Yeah. (laughs) And he's joining us today. Now, he's a friend of ours. He went... To the uh, Geekway to the West gaming extravaganza. We'll give him a little more credit than that. He's actually related to both of us. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Steven is my brother-in-law and Tim's son. Right. Whether that increases veracity or not, we will decide. What it means is this whole thing is, uh, what's it called when you have a whole family in power? Family business. Oh, it's not an oligarchy. That's a... uh, Nepotism? Nepotism. Well, it's nepotism. Yeah, this is clearly... So this a, a nepotocracy. A, a nepotocracy, a nepotistic podcast. <laughs> so. All right. Well, hey, let's begin. I have some questions that I kind of pulled together. Okay. And I'm really interested in hearing from you guys about your impression. Now, neither of you have been to a game conference before, yep, right? Correct. First one. Okay. Now, I've been to two. I've been once to Gen Con in 2016. And that very fall, I went to Essen because I happened to be overseas at the time and uh, tickets were super cheap. And I, air tickets, I mean. And I really enjoyed both of those. So I'm curious to, to hear from you guys your impressions of the con. So tell me, first of all, like general impressions, and then I have some specific questions to ask. Well, I came a day late, so you guys had already taken in Thursday by the time I showed up. Mm-hmm. I rolled in at 8 a.m. on Friday, and you guys weren't there yet, so it was just me. Yeah, because so, we'd stayed up a little late the night yeah, before Yeah, you guys gaming. were sleep, <laughs> sleeping it off, huh? Well, I walked in, didn't know a single person, and I just see this grand hall with, what was it, 25 rows of tables, oh, 12 least, long, it was, thousands of people packed into what would normally be at any other conference, you know, the room for the keynote address with, you know, a couple thousand people. Right. You know, that was just board gaming tables and everyone was gaming and there were signs that said players wanted and teachers wanted and everyone was playing a game and you could hop into a game with people you didn't know at all and just learn the game and they would be willing to teach you. Man, I was really overwhelmed at first, but two things happened that immediately set the tone of the con for me. First of all, I met Jamie Stegmeier, which was on my bucket list, if you yeah. remember. I saw him as he came by, told him I was a big fan of Scythe. That was cool. But I also got to watch the pre-production copy of my little Scythe get played, mm-hmm. which this is not out yet, but it's kind of a simplified version of Scythe based on a print-and-play version that was actually created by a father and his daughter, and then Jamie agreed to actually publish it. Oh, wow. Huh. So it's a really cool story, and so I'm interested in the game because of that. And so I, I sat there and I watched a play for about 20 minutes, and I'm just you know drinking in this huge hall of gaming. And then some people set up next to me, and they're starting to play Ex Libris. And, well, I'm really into Ex Libris. I am now. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played it at the time. And I said, hey, uh, can I jump in? And they said, sure. So we all learned how to play, and we played it together, had a great time. And those two events kind of set the tone for me. I said, this is going to be super fun. This is all 
people gaming and you can jump in anywhere and just watch or play and you don't have to know the people. You can just have fun with them. So, yeah. So I probably really should have cool. given this context at the beginning. Geekway to the West <laughs> is a bit of a different con compared to like a Gen Con or an Essen. Sure. Um, Gen Con and Essen have tons of vendor presence right. with a bit of play area. I mean, ample play area. I'm not, right. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that, especially Gen Con. It has a lot of games going on constantly. There's a game library going on, etc. Whereas uh, Geekway to the West really started out and has maintained its vibe as a as a play con, a yeah. place you're going to go and just play a lot of games. Yeah, sixteen so, hours straight a right. day or longer, <laughs> depending on your you know personal uh, hygiene capacities. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's in St. Louis, of course. You know, Geekway, so Gateway to the West there, and. Uh, it does have Jamie Stegmeyer happens to live in the area, yep. so that's really cool. And I was actually surprised though. We also got a couple personalities from out of town. So Tom Vassell was there. Mm-hmm. Stephen Bonacore from Stronghold Games was there. Got to meet them both. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was surprised. You know, there seemed to be a good. It wasn't just Midwest people. There's actually people that travel to this thing because the right. gaming's so good. Right. So that was that was really cool to see. Well, Stephen, what was your impression? If I had to boil it down to a single word, it would be unpretentious. Um, okay. I went in with a full expectation that everyone who came to this thing would be um, super dedicated to their own community of games. They would bring what they liked most, and they would find the people who were most intensely committed to this game right. and would um, just grind that for hours and hours and right. expect you to be on board with the same. But what I found was a whole room a whole conference room full of tables of people just buzzing learning new games Mm -hmm. walking by even games that they hadn't played but asking me you know how is this war of mine what what were your first impressions and it was uh, i felt like my input even as a more casual gamer was valued just as much as the the next guys the entire conference also um what impressed me was that it was centered around the two libraries that they had, this casual mm-hmm. library that had a wide selection of games and then a s- separate play and win library that featured yeah. more of the new up and comers yeah. that, um, and multiple copies of those. Right. People were constantly checking them out um, and playing them for a chance to win that game in a drawing later. Okay, and that was that was impressive. That was. I was they gave really. Away, what I, was it? Seven hundred games. Yes, they gave away seven hundred games. And guys, we're not talking about like, you know, clearance games. Clearance games. You know, weird. You know, another copy yet another copy of Da Vinci or something. I Fish mean, Frenzy or yeah, Backyard Builders Treehouse. We're talking. These were <laughs> these were the latest and these were latest and greatest games. And I yeah. think my guess is what they did is they went to the publishers and said, "Look, this will be great publicity." Mm-hmm. Um, give away some games in this play and win library, yeah. and and they got they got various publishers to donate seven hundred games, games like Rising Sun, yeah. Yamatai was in there too, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Um, yeah, Azul, goodness. yeah. But what was cool about that too? What I really noticed is okay, so you'd expect them to have Empires of the Void or mm-hmm. you know Ex Libri, some of these new hotness games that are coming out. Sure, they also had Risk Star Wars Edition, which is a fine game. They mm-hmm. had code names so you talked about being unpretentious it, it was very much i mean you didn't you didn't have to have played a game before in your life to come and have fun at this thing mm-hmm. 
I mean, they had games for everyone. They had easy games. They had hard games. And everyone was okay with the games that other people were playing. You're right. It was very much just kind of, hey, yeah, let's let's roll up. Let's play some games. Let's have fun. So for our listeners, I wanted to kind of get a summary from you guys as to on, on several categories. The first category we're kind of alluding to right now, which okay. is how it was organized. Mm-hmm. What can you say about like how well this was organized or, or what could have been better? But um, kind of give our give our listeners a bit of a, a summary of of how Geekway approaches this con. Man, it was organized. There was so much there that I didn't even take in. I mean, mm-hmm. there were daily tournaments for multiple different games. Mm-hmm. There was an entire Slack channel called Hashtag Gamers Wanted where you could go at any time and see what tables were looking for gamers. I, I didn't even barely get a chance to look at the vendor hall. I was playing so much. There's more here than any one person can do in four days, honestly. Yeah. There's so much here, and and I love that. I think that's really cool. If they've got you know 12 tournaments running each day, that lets you pick out maybe the one that you're really into and go do that, right. and that's really cool. I think the main draw was the unstructured free play yeah. and mm-hmm. um, how heavily they encouraged that mm-hmm. um, with their little meeple signs that said players wanted or teachers yep. wanted for those more intimidating games. Um, <laughs> we should the vendor hall was Lisbon. fascinating as well. Yeah. Being able to go with some of the people who even created or play tested some of these games and play it with them, um, have yeah. them teach it to you. The demos. It was mm-hmm. a ton of fun. Yeah. Right. That was really cool. There are some advantages, having been to a couple of these other cons, there are some advantages that don't have to do with the disorganization of other cons. It's just an issue of scale. Mm-hmm. It was so refreshing. I was expecting to pull up to this thing, have have to park blocks away, pay like twenty bucks for parking or something. Right. And because we didn't stay there, we had friends who live who live in the St. Louis area, so we were we were going to spend the night at their place. But um, compared to Gen Con, I mean, it was just so refreshing to walk to just drive into this hotel that had ample parking in its lot. Sure, uh, park for free. Walk right in, not stand behind 500 people to register. The scale of a con that only has 2,800 attendees yeah. is obviously just, a, it just makes it a lot more manageable. Mm-hmm. And it just makes the mood a whole lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, Gen Con, you just, you got a sense at so many times, uh, you're enjoying yourself, but you're just thinking, oh my gosh, so many people. This is just wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder. And this was just a lot more more chilled, and it's not that there there weren't a lot of people in an area, but I, n- I never once felt like overcrowded or. Right. I did once, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that. That was on Sunday. Yeah. Um, that was a little overwhelming, but I agree. I think overall the picture was sure. There's tons of people here, right? But it was comfortable for everyone. There was plenty of space, and I would have been overwhelmed with more, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we even had overflow rooms out of that grand hall, and mm-hmm. that grand hall by itself was pretty overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And and there was more past that. So yeah. any any bigger, and it would have been just kind of, what do I do? Where do I go? You know. I think it stands to be noted as well. We went as a company of about eight adults, but there were whole families there with yeah. children as young as six and seven years old um, playing games in the main hall as well as these rooms specifically de- dedicated to like family play, the lighter games. Mm-hmm. And I heard a father just going on and on to one of the um, organizers of the whole conference about how appreciative he was of yeah. this year and in years past, how family friendly the whole event was. 
And with all the volunteers that they managed to gather up Mm -hmm. for this whole convention, you definitely felt safe as well, that someone had an eye out if you ever felt lost or didn't know what was going on when. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you really segued nicely into the next category of question that I have, <laughs> which is the people of, of the con. T- yeah. tell, tell me about, I'm curious to hear your impressions. You, Stephen, you've alluded to, to quite a bit so far, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of comparison, too, to what I've seen at other cons. Mm-hmm. But tell me a little bit about the people that you encountered and, and well, I don't know what if you observed. This is what you're going for specifically, but I was shocked by the fact that the whole thing's volunteers. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did a phenomenal job. Volunteers of Geekway, what what they call them, Geek Guides, Geek <laughs> Guides. You guys did a phenomenal job this yeah. year, and I'm sure previous years. Wow, I mean, you moved three thousand people around elegantly and organized everything. Uh, you know, the play and win, giving away seven hundred games. You managed that very well. Think about that. That means one out of every four people won a really cool game. Yep. But unfortunately, so. one out of our 12 attendees won a game, so yeah, our odds right. were a little low, but, you know. <laughs> they are odds. <laughs> they are odds, and we are pretty odd, so, yeah. oh well. <laughs> yeah. So what I noticed, um, compared especially to Gen Con, there were fewer RPGers there. Hmm. I didn't see anyone playing a table, a true tabletop RPG. Yeah. Now, they might have taken that upstairs. There were other tables and smaller rooms upstairs. There was like an executive meeting room or something with a giant oak table. I think they might have been running RPGs in there. Okay. I'm not okay. sure. I just looked in. It didn't look that board gamey. So. <laughs> but, but in general, at Gen Con, I saw a lot more magic and yeah. a lot more RPG. Yeah. Uh, this one, I was really surprised to see how much it was just about straight board games. Straight board games. That's awesome. Um, which yeah. was was interesting, and um, but I don't know how to put this politely. <laughs> there were a lot more annoying people at Gen Con, sort of that really arrogant gamers, you know, gamers gamer, the guy who just knows everything, and they're just out to impress everybody or you know beat other people down. I noticed a lot more of that at the tables at Gen Con. Interesting. Than I did at it, you know, here. And it might just have a lot to do with the easygoing personality of the Midwest, which is undeniably true. I mean <laughs> we we say as Midwesterners. Well, <laughs> we say also as having lived in other places in That's this country true. and around the true. world. But um I, I just felt like I felt like the mood was just really friendly and really yeah. um and I, it did. They did do a lot to keep it family friendly, and mm-hmm. they even had rules about you know, really that mostly restricted uh, booth models and and yeah. you know some of the more you know intense cosplay stuff. Yeah. Which I'm sure that you know for some people that's a plus, for some people that's a minus. I get yeah. that, but it did create more, more of a family friendly and just chilled out yeah. atmosphere. And I think there was. Specifically, one alcohol allowed event—the the dress to the nines or the fancy gaming. Oh yeah, that one had an open bar, but you know that was very clearly framed as an adult event. It was late; it started at ten, I think. So mm-hmm. they did a good job, yeah, uh, of of keeping it family friendly and really keeping it welcoming to just anyone. I really believe that anyone could have walked off the street and said, "These look like some fun people having fun. I want to yeah. have fun with them." <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was definitely a that's cool mentality that everyone brought in. Yeah. Um, I met mm-hmm. this one guy. He just 
came up to me after I played finished playing a game with some of my friends, and he was like, "What's what's this game all about?" And I talked with him a bit. I saw him later up in the flea market hall, and he was selling games. The, there was this antique top game, and he explained that he would go to oh yeah, I remember all that, of yeah. these different um, yard sales, find mm-hmm. the pieces, restore the boxes as much as he can, and mm-hmm. flip them for seventy five or hundred fifty dollars yeah. if he could. Um, that was incredible. He had a before box and an after box huh. and you know it had split corners it even had stains on it sometimes it's a specific game it's one game yeah. called battling tops battling and his tops. whole ah. business is restoring copies so he'll either buy them he'll buy them cheap when they're all messed up and then either use them for parts or if he can restore those boxes and it's not going to be like new condition but mm-hmm. wow he did he did some really good work with you know, forty-year-old boxes in in many cases, so. right? And that's just sort of the sort of that's cool mentality I'm talking about. You yeah, him versus the cosplayer who came in dre- painted in all green with this yeah. elaborate like <laughs> goblin garb and walking around with her boyfriend, probably who had this cape yeah. and was the king. She um, stood out because I think that couple was the only cosplaying couple I saw all weekend yeah, mm-hmm, and they were while well, they were there to uh, sell some stuff and they definitely stood out so they definitely read their audience well because yes. they're walking around the hall they're the only ones dressed up and they were selling beer glasses or something like that I didn't I didn't catch what they were selling mm-hmm. but that was pretty cool yeah all sorts of different gamers mm-hmm. the vendors were pretty chilled out too I, I, yeah. I well of course I, I had fun because I walked up to uh, the stronghold games booth yeah and a you know mature looking uh, very friendly man says mm-hmm. um, hey are you interested in any of our games and I said I'd like to buy this game and I held up a game uh, called memoir which we'll talk about in a bit <laughs> yeah. but uh, I said but I'm only interested in buying it if I can you know have my purchase handled you know personally by some <laughs> some you know, higher up in the company. Yeah. And he laughed because I was talking to Stephen Bonacore, of yeah. course, who I recognize, but he's, yeah. he doesn't know me from Adam. So. That guy's a heck of a salesman. Um, oh, he is. I walked up to him to say, hey, I appreciate your podcast. And he smoothly guided me into a game of a demo of Memoir before I knew what happened. <laughs> so, and then, and then, uh, yeah, copies were purchased. So yeah, yeah hats off. The, the whole vendor hall was fantastic. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to demo many games because I was playing so many games from the library, but I really would have, Hoped for more time to mm-hmm. to check those out. And I'm going to plug Miniature Market. Miniature Market is uh, just a great online store that I buy a lot of my games through. I don't, this sounds like an ad. They honestly have not paid us a thing. I, maybe we should. He's paid them like, a lot. Yeah, I've paid them a lot. My <laughs> they, sh- they should be paying him for all but the business. What's really them. cool about what's really cool about them is that they let you kind of they do daily specials, but they yeah. it's not like with a lot of other shops. It's like okay, they're running this on a daily special, but I've got to get a hundred dollars worth of stuff to get the free shipping, etc., cetera, right. etc. Cetera. And they're like, yeah, whatever you buy, just say hey, customer, you know, customer hold, and then when you get yeah. up to a hundred bucks, two yeah. months later, whenever, just tell us and we'll release it. And That's ship it all so to you. awesome that they'll let you hold an order. At the sale price for right. really as long as you want. Right. I mean, yeah, incredible customer service. They had pickup at the con. Oh, yeah. They, they had you order a game and they would deliver it to you the next day it's nice. from their store, you know, yeah. during the whole time the con was taking place. That was that was really cool. I, I was I I picked some stuff up from them. Yeah. I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> anything else anything else about the vendors that you want to say or, or well let's noticed. see are we, are we talking just the vendors who had boots or are we are we going to talk about the flea market because the flea market was pretty crazy okay too. yeah let's talk about board game so, geek uh, yeah. and kind of the the you know board game geek isn't wasn't 
don't think they actually had a booth there or anything. No, they don't. They usually. did at Gen Con. They had like yeah. this huge booth, but they hit they hit the the biggest cons. So they hit Gen Con, Origins, UK Games Expo, and Essen. Right. I think right. are mainly the ones they hit. But but they have this, um, you know, and many of you probably already know this if you're already part of the board game geek community. Right. There was the Geekway flea market, and oh my goodness, there mm-hmm. were so many of us on there just haggling for well. There were two pieces to it. So there was a physical flea market that happened at the con, but then basically the what happened on Board Game Geek was self-organized, just some enterprising guys. I think they've done this for several years now, but realized, hey, we can advertise what we're going to be bringing to the flea market ahead of time. People can even pay ahead of time, and then we just need to set up a time to meet and pick up the game. So what that basically means is I was window shopping the Geekway flea market for two months before Geekway. Oh. And made several purchases because the prices were quite good. Yeah, <laughs> and but it, and it was such a cool, like this weird sort of uh, bizarre social event. You know, to yeah. sort of walk in this room where we're all looking for buyers and they're looking for us, and right. we have no idea who by username. Is who yeah. by username, right? Yep. And so people are standing up on the chairs, going, you know. Uh, AJ94 or Board Game Greek or it was this weird kind of like oh we found each other across yep. the room I've yep. got I've got this game that yeah. you bought come on over and it was just it was really fun even that yeah. that process that was, was really fun. fun I enjoyed it so yeah one of the one of the sellers was you know five minutes late so four of us buyers are just kind of huddled together we're like <laughs> we're waiting for all the Jarrets waiting for all the Jarrets which hat tip to you sir your games were very reasonably priced i'm totally willing to forgive you the five minutes that you were late so <laughs> there's plenty going on at the con you are more than forgiven sir yeah <laughs> yes. so that was cool but yeah no that was really fun and then there was actually the physical flea market too so yeah what steven what did you think of that i thought it was very well handled very well organized um opened at 11 for i i got there half an hour early maybe mm-hmm. and uh, the the rest of these guys were already waiting. The line was way down the hallway. Hundreds yeah. of people lined up. Yep. And five minutes before, he announced that they were going to file in, and they would cut off at, at what point they hit the fire code. Fire code, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and so we were in the first wave. Um, it got more and more crowded from there. Um, I wasn't ready to drop even $20 on Power Grid, but I was able to pick up a few of the gaming staples love letter quiddler and set for nine dollars total so i was very impressed with the uh sellability those flea market finds oh come on we got to talk about them okay we're we're all bargain shoppers let's take a little segue right now from the con in general (laughs) what kind of deals what kind of cool deals did you guys get so what what was you got love letter love letter for three dollars yeah wow okay quiddler for two yeah Set for four. Set. We got to talk about set on one, one of these podcasts. I love that game. Really? Anyway, I do. <sighs> it is It is the coolest solitaire game I have ever played, it's, but I don't play a lot of solitaire It's games. a fine game. I'm just terrible at it, so I, oh. rarely, <laughs> I rarely play it. I'm really bad at pattern recognition and memory speed stuff. It's addictive. There's this little endorphin rush that you get when you <laughs> yeah. see the set, and it's like, I got to have another one of those. See, but so. when you're bad at it, every time someone else calls it out, it's like a negative endorphin rush. I have the same problem with bananagrams. Every time someone hollers peel, you know, I start breaking out in hives because yeah. I'm not peeling and I'm failing. Well, I only bought set because I knew you'd never let go of it. So, <laughs> Oh, there you go. Lock it down for yourself. <laughs> so what did you pick up, Andrew? Oh, man. Well, let's see here. I picked up 
Uchronia for $5, which is another Carl Chudik classic mm-hmm. that I'm interested to try out. Compare it to Glory to Rome, which is my top game of all time. I picked up Mermaid Rain for $3, which is this obscure little Z-Man game set collection that looks crappy, but I've heard it's a good game, so I couldn't resist at $3. Uh. Uh, let's see. I picked up Islebound and its expansion for twenty five bucks. So I was pretty happy with that. Get some Locket going there. Yeah, I get some. Lo- I haven't tried Ryan Locket's games yet, so I'm excited to you try that any. One. I have not played any of them, so this is gonna be my first one. Whoa! So yeah, you're really we gotta break some out. Yeah, we gotta got break some out. City of Iron in there in the ancient yeah. world. We gotta, there we go. I'll, wow. I've, I've been interested in this stuff for a long time. I've just never had the opportunity to play one. Huh. So. I also picked up Sentient for fifteen bucks, which Isn't it Sentient. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced, but I know I got it for cheap, <laughs> and I was pleased with that because that game is goes for ridiculous prices considering what it was. I unboxed it. It's basically you know a card game with some custom dice. So mm-hmm. I don't know why they're charging sixty bucks MSRP on that thing because that should be like a smash up game, you know, like twenty bucks. Yeah. So I was happy that I got it for fifteen. One more that I picked up. I picked up Castellion. Which is a... That's that Queen Games... No, 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 no. That's Castelli. Oh. This is Castellion, which is an, Oni- an Oniverse game. So from the same world oh, as Oniverse. that's Oniram the one you were playing with by our Shady other Torby. friend, Jather. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I picked okay. up Castellion and Sylveon for 15 and usually they go for about 15 each. So I was pretty pleased with that. And I did get the chance to play Castellion, and it was actually super fun. Huh. I haven't tried Sylveon yet, but... Yeah, Castellian was cool. I didn't care for Oniram in the end, at yeah. least not as a physical game. It, too much shuffling. But Castellian actually looks like one I would play. Cool. It was, that was pretty cool. So yeah, I picked up I picked up more than that, but those were the highlights for me. Well, I picked up a lot of games. It as doesn't usual. shock anybody. <laughs> but probably my, my best finds, uh, right when I walked in, my goodness, I just kind of walked a few a few aisles down because they, they asked us to please not clog up at the very beginning right and the first aisle i turned into i saw merchants and marauders for 30 bucks Ooh, and that was a really fun game galaxy defenders for 30 bucks and i had been looking at that one because uh, it's is that one of those gmt what what, what is galaxy Defenders? no it's not gmt who makes that over there um aries aries games and it's kind of like you can play it solo it's a co-op um, mm-hmm. it's like a co-op space crawl not a dungeon crawl but okay um it a lot of people say it's, it takes like what was good out of the Castle Ravenloft system and kind of like elevates it a, a level and puts it in, under a sci-fi theme. Okay. A lot of reviewers I really respect love that game. Okay. But it's just hard to find. It's kind of it was just hard for me to justify the price tag on it normally and even used. But man, I picked it up for thirty bucks. I'm really pleased yeah. with it. It is the first version. It's actually it's the original Kickstarter. Interesting. Uh, and a few things have changed, but nothing that I can't uh, print that they haven't made available. So yeah. I'm pretty pumped and, about and that. And you're a pretty big fan of Castle Ravenloft. I am. I, so, so an update on that I would be right up your alley. Yeah. 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 So well, very uh, cool. a lot of other games too, but I picked up Not Alone, so I'll have that there one you as go. well. So. I still need to teach you that That's game. It's a solo game, isn't it? No, Not Alone <laughs> is a... <laughs> no, that's Alone. So yeah. This is Not Alone. So... No, that's that's a really cool one versus many. You you've brought that up in recent plays. And yeah, prior I've played episodes. that three or four times. We've, I, got, we've got to get to a review. We on do that have game. to get to a review of that one. I think it's pretty good. So. That's also Stronghold Games, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. So we're really plugging them today. <laughs> so, any other thoughts about the con in general? I have one final question to ask on it, but we'll go okay. for it. Yeah, go for it. Okay, 
If you were to sell somebody on Geekway to the West, who, by the way, is not paying us either, we have, nope. they are not one of our sponsors. But if they want to, so in we all, take the money. In all openness, <laughs> we'll, we'll provide a list of our sponsors right now. Okay. Um, you want us to repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no. So, you know, Geekway is not paying us to say this, but what would you, if you were to talk to somebody and say, hey, you should go to Geekway because, what would those becauses be? On the spot here. <laughs> On the spot. Um, because it's fun. <laughs> I went um, not uh, just starting to get into the board gaming scene mostly. Um, a little bit hesitant. Um, figured that I would mostly enjoy it because of my friends there. But ended up enjoying it because of all the new friends whose names I never got. Um, just playing board games with random sure. people. Um, yeah. Yeah, playing. I got to sample a lot of games that I would never have sampled yes. regularly. Yes, and mm-hmm. that was a big deal for me. Um, yeah, that's huge because it's often you know there's an opportunity cost to learning a new game. For one thing, you're not playing a game you already know, and for another thing, you've got the investment of the rules and setting it up and slogging through that first play where you're kind of figuring things out. So it could be you know twice as long as it would normally take. Well, at a convention your time scales are all different because you say, I got all day, you know? Yeah. Sure, I'll learn a new game. And that's what you're here for. So, yeah, I really appreciate that as well, the ability to just say, this is a game I would literally never learn at any other time. So mm-hmm. I'm going to check it out, see if it's any good. You know, uh, Clans of Caledonia that I played. I would never play that game in any other context. Right. And I didn't end up caring for the game, but I got to try it. And that mm-hmm. was really cool. You know, you had that opportunity. The volume of people who attend just for the sole purpose of playing those games makes it so that you can choose whatever pace you want. The heavier games, yeah. the lighter games, even if you mm-hmm. want to take a break for a while, they had plenty of places on site that you could just stop and get coffee, yep. stop and just chat with people for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was very cool. I, would I think say, I would... Oh, oh you're going to answer no, your own question? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I would say in a word or in a couple words... This is a great first con. Yes. Yeah. This was my first convention. And honestly, the idea of going to something like Origins or Gen Con or Essen, that's all about the buying and the vendor hall and the rush of people and the deals. For one thing, my pockets aren't that deep. For another <laughs> thing, that's just overwhelming to me. I mean, yeah. Essen's got what, like 50,000 people, 60,000 people yeah. throughout the course of the convention. That's a lot of people. And that's a little bit daunting. But this one, you know... 3,000 people, I can count to 3,000, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, I like gaming, and there's a great gaming library. The cost is affordable, especially, especially if you live here in the Midwest. Yeah, it's a great first con. It's a great way to kind of dip your toe into that scene a little bit yeah. in a smaller, friendlier, more organized structure. And, man, it's just fun to drop everything and game for four days straight. That was just super fun. I say you should go to Geekway because it's a con that's big enough that it's interesting. Yes. Oh, yes. And it attracts quality vendors and personalities and a lot of interesting people. And I'm that's in a good way. That's a positive interesting. <laughs> um, but it's not so big that it's overwhelming and and uh, just just crazy. You should go because people there are really chilled out. Yeah. And it's not about you know, sell, 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 and and, and yeah. you're, you're just turning around buying a game at every corner. 
go to this one with the mindset that you're just going to sit down and play games with a lot of right. cool people. And right. if you bring friends, great. And if you don't bring friends, I'm telling you, I, I, I was watching people all the time just kind of jump in and join yep. games. And we even had somebody like leave uh, when we had left our table as we were setting a game up, you know, somebody left a nap and, you know, a little note on a nap and it said, hey, if you need another player, you know, call. Right. Fortunately, right. we had, you know, enough already. But uh, it is just a really chilled out, relaxed con. And it's it's a good thing. I, I don't think it replaces a Gen Con for me. But it's a completely different kind of thing. Oh yeah, it's, and it's just a separate thing. Yeah, right. It just kind right. of stands on its own. So, so that's the impressions of the con itself. But now we want to get into the games that we played. <laughs> now this is going to be too long for the rest of this podcast. We're going to have to break this up. Because yeah. We between the three of us, we played a crazy amount of games. Probably like thirty games. Yeah, twenty five. It was interesting. Well, I guess we had enough people in our group that we were kind of just dividing up and playing yeah. different games, and, yeah. and, and we were. It was just really cool the dynamic of how it worked. It was. I never felt pressured to play something I just wasn't that into, and right. I every single game I played was a new game to me. I'd never. This was so cool. Yeah. I, I played all new games. Did you guys play anything you'd played before? Or? Yes. I played Yamatai, which I already knew how to play, and I liked Ex Libris so much that I played it three times. So I did repeat. Uh-huh. And then I, I had played Yamatai, but I wanted to teach it to Steven and Evan. Mm-hmm. So okay. I taught it to them because I love that game. Yeah. So Reason other than so. other than those two, <laughs> I, I think it was all brand new to me. So since we have limited time on this one, let's let's just do our best and our worst. Okay. Ouch, this is really yeah. hard. And I'm boy. I hadn't thought about my worst. I thought about my best. I think I would want to stick to the play and win games as well. At least for me. Because okay. We could check out any game from the library. That's true, and there's, I mean, Twix is in there, so <laughs> I still love you, Twix, even though no, <laughs> no one but checked I mean, the you games out. That we played, yeah, yeah, right? the games we played, yeah. which were mostly the play and win. Yeah, at least yeah. for me and Steven, you jumped in the I library a little bit more. Library yeah. a bit more. Which yeah. I think, if I were to go back again, I would jump into the library more because, well, I don't know. I I'm happy with what I did, but mm-hmm. yeah, best and worst. Well. I'm going to cop out a bit here. I have three games that I didn't really enjoy, which out of 11 is not bad mm-hmm. at all. And none of them are bad games, but none of them were for me. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to pick one of them, and we'll, we'll just go from there. So I'm going to pick the one I'm going to feel least bad about bashing. I tried Clans of Caledonia, and I really didn't enjoy it. I... I can see what people see in it, but mm-hmm. to me, it was just a soulless Euro game. I didn't feel any connection to what I was doing. It just felt like I was hitting random buttons to generate points, and I could hit some buttons, and they would generate a certain amount of points. Other buttons would generate another amount. It was just another engine builder, and I was very underwhelmed by it. I would play it again. It was fine, but I was very underwhelmed by it. But I'm not saying it's a bad game. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, for me personally, that's definitely the one I had the least fun playing this weekend. Yeah. I think my least favorite game, unfortunately, would be Majesty ah, yeah. for the Realm. Uh, I played it four times. I really wanted to like it. Um, but when it came down to it, the strategy just seemed mm-hmm. too... There was too much of a snowball effect. Yeah. Um, even though it was a short game, 
of 12 turns each turns took about 30 seconds 30 seconds yeah um we really you really played this one a lot and we kind of deconstructed it throughout the weekend Mm -hmm. it was interesting to see your impressions of it change because the first time you played it it was the best game ever man you were ready to buy it (laughs) but that was the thing even after four plays i think lost his luster yeah it just it just kind of didn't have it and well this is by the guy who did splendor Mm -hmm. so how how would you compare this to like splendor or let's throw in another one let's throw in century spice road because i know that one gets compared to splendor a lot so how would you compare it to those guys Never played Sp- Century Spice Road, so okay, fair automatically <laughs> discredited. Um, but Splendor, what I like about that is that you can choose mm-hmm. how you win. Mm-hmm. Um, Majesty, after the first couple of turns, there's a right choice and there's a wrong choice each turn. And you just have to find the right choice. And even if you play perfectly, you might not win because of how the cards come out. And Interesting. what cards are available to you on your turn. Um that's at least that was my impression of the game mm-hmm. and for that reason i would not enjoy playing it again yeah mm. tim splendor. did you check that one, that one out no i didn't uh i i it just didn't happened get to that it. i was in other games at the time that it was being yeah. played and uh honestly i was there to play two probably heavier weight games yeah than, you're you're the heavy guy so i also that, enjoy so. a good uh fighting mechanic something mm-hmm. to if i see that I may not have gotten off to a great start, and my brother did, but if I can at least <laughs> to bring him down with me, right. I'll enjoy that. But there was nothing nothing that really worked like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Probably my biggest disappointment, and I'll bring it up, and this isn't really fair because I didn't play the game, but we checked out Panamax. You checked out Panamax? That was the first game of the con that I attempted to play. Oh, so you did this on Thursday. Yes. See, I wasn't even here yet. Or there yet. And we ran into two friends down there, and, mm-hmm. and they were in the middle of a game. And I said, great, I'll, I'll read through Panamax. I'll get it set up. Sure. And and we can get this started. And look, I, I'm not super quick at picking up rules, but I'm no slouch either. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a game in there, and I am interested in playing it. Mm-hmm. But I just felt the way that it was being explained was yeah. so convoluted. And even after an hour of sitting there with the rule book and going through this complicated setup and my friends sat down and we started to read the rules together. And after about 10 minutes, we looked at each other and said, how about we do something else? So did you actually get a play in or no. you just started reading no, the rules we and didn't. burned out? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And I know that's unfair to judge the game. I, I actually think it's a good game. It, right. it, it, it looks like there's a good game in there, but I just didn't feel the rule book was very well explained and that's part of the experience and yeah. maybe that's probably a warning to anybody interested in that game spend some time ahead of time with that one <laughs> before you pull your friends over it's not yeah. one you're going to be able to break out the rules and and read and just get going we'll have to uh we'll have to fly paul dean from shove and sit down down here to kansas city <laughs> to Explain teach you himself. personally <laughs> yeah teach yeah. you personally how to play panamax and yeah. then you'll enjoy it yeah. <laughs> but Then if I, I guess if I'm going to go be, if I'm going to be completely fair, the next game, if I'm looking at all the ones that I played, yeah, Eldorado. Really? The road to Eldorado. I was going to guess Ex Libris. Um, No, I I enjoy, I I see that one. I I, I see where that one fits in in its weight. It's, it's a good game for its weight. Yeah. 
Uh, now, Road to El Dorado, I had expected a bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a it's a deck builder, they say, mm-hmm. but it's just a racing game. Right. And it's fun. And if you like racing games, it's probably a really good racing game. Right. I just don't particularly get into race games. <laughs> um, Everything you're saying about it makes me think that I would love it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you may. It's, it's Reiner Knizia, it's fast, it's light, it's a race game. <laughs> These are all pros for me. And I wouldn't turn but, I wouldn't turn down a game of it. I'll, okay, one little thing about it, though, just physically that's annoying to me, uh-huh. is that it uses those like really tiny cards. Oh, the like, mini cards, Like yeah. uh, the mini cards, you know, like in Descent or something, those really small, mm-hmm. you know, sized cards as as the, and I don't know, shuffling it's Shuffling them are, right. is very awkward, and reading them is very awkward. I just didn't understand that choice of hmm. playing with those really many cards. So, did you were, play that one with him, Stephen? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was just you. Yeah, that was just okay. Me, so on the first night, so that's those, right. We were playing uh, Merchants and Marauders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, while that was happening. So, so those are our disappointments, and we've gotten those out of the way. Whew, feels good. Feels good. <laughs> and now we're ready to leave our listeners at a cliffhanger. What? Dun, dun, dun. No, we gotta talk about the good ones. Come on, we can't leave them hanging. I'm pumped. I'm ready. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to gush a little bit. All right, gush away. Well, I feel like I should. I feel like you and I have the same favorite game from the convention. Uh huh. Probably. Uh-huh. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna be a sport and let you introduce that one. Yeah. And then I'll gush about it once you're done gushing. And I, through that, I will sneak in two best games because I like to break the rules. <laughs> so I want to talk about Ex Libris a little bit because this is everything I wanted Sagrada to be, which doesn't huh. maybe doesn't strike you as an immediate comparison because no, Sagrada is a, I can see a dice placing game where you're trying to work within these limits to build your stained glass window. Well, Ex Libris is doesn't use dice; it uses cards, and you're trying to alphabetize a bookshelf. So at first, they seem to have nothing in common. And Sagrada is a drafting game, and uh, Ex Libris is a worker placement game. Ex Libris is just a skosh heavier, I would say. You know, Sagrada is pretty easy to get up and rolling. But at their core, they both have the same puzzle of restriction and no ability to move what you've already placed and just kind of having to lie in the bed you've made Mm -hmm. and salvage the best that you can out of, you know, mistakes that were made along the way and maybe not the ideal cards that you're drawing. But here's the thing, Ex Libris has such a more satisfying puzzle. It's so much more interesting to me. Yeah. And yes, it's a little bit heavier, but this was just a really all-around great game. And it was pretty easy. I mean, I sat down, first game of the con, with three other people who had also never played the game. Or maybe one guy had played it once. So we're all noobs, you know, and we're up and running. We finished the game in 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, there's not much of a learning curve here. And I liked it so much, I played it twice more throughout the weekend. That's how much of an impression it made on me. So basically what you're doing is you've got these book cards with letters on them that you're trying to place down into your shelf, and then your shelf has to read alphabetically. But then the books have different symbols on them, and you'll have one symbol of your own that you're trying to collect, and you'll have a symbol that you that everyone's trying to collect and a symbol that everyone's trying to avoid and then everyone kind of has their own symbol that they're going for and there's you'll score points for how stable your shelf is or for how many different categories you manage to collect mm-hmm. and the whole thing is this light little worker placement game that wraps up in 30 40 minutes i love this this is great you know 
you just made me think of a way that Splendor could have been like super improved. Really? Like what made this game so interesting was at the end, like going through all those victory condition categories. Imagine mm-hmm. like if Splendor ended and then whoever had the most red gems yeah. got a bonus. And that would be interesting. Had, you know, like, like you chose at the beginning a color like right. red and whoever had the most of those got a bonus right. and whoever had uh, the, the, you know, and you were rewarded for having a an, an even diversity of yeah. of gems. You know, like this game kind of does with books. Right. That that's what made it for me was that the fact that if you saw that somebody was beating you to one way of scoring a lot of points, you could switch tactics sort of yep. midway and say, yeah. okay, then if he's going to go for yeah. that, then I'm going to let him think that I'm still competing for that, but right. I'm actually going to be going for this approach. Right. And so, the whole the whole way that you pick up book cards. Because it's a worker placement game, there's these big tiles that come out for a round, mm-hmm. and they all kind of have different actions on them, and they all let you acquire and shelve cards in different ways. And so what that means is you'll often have, you know, four cards laid out on a on a space, and you know what you really want there, but you're trying to gauge what the other people really want and how long you can wait mm-hmm. and maybe do other stuff before you have to go and claim that card before someone else will take it. And that's just a really interesting mind game because you can see everyone's shelves. You can see what they're going for. Cool variable player powers. Yeah, in variable a game player of that powers. weight is that's, not, that is really not cool. normal. You don't see that very often. Yeah, so. no, I'm... I would say this one's headed towards my shelf. I was really hoping to play and win it. I didn't. Yeah. That's the one thing I hold against you, Geekway. Would have loved a copy of Ex Libris. <laughs> but no worries. I'm probably going to buy it soon and we're probably going to review it because I really enjoyed that game. Darn you, probability. <laughs> <laughs> so did you play Ex Libris? No. Steven? I did not. Okay. Yeah. Hence the silence. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. I played it with Evan. Yeah. That's right. So what was your what was your best gameplay that you can think of? I would say Captain Sonar, but mm, that was that's fun. more of a party than a game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and to be fair, we all loved that game. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All of us. I mean, without doubt, that was a huge hit. But it will be likely years before I have the opportunity to yep. play it again. Where am yep. I gonna wrestle up seven other <laughs> people to play? Um I would happily and hands down say that Merchants and Marauders was oh, the best man. game of the convention. I was so jealous of you oh, for getting to play it. So good. Well, you'll get to play it now since you own it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But um, you got to play it twice, right? Yes. Yeah, man. Wow. From the beginning, it was it was one heck of a rule book. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Took me a good hour and a half going through it. Lots of pieces, lots of miniatures, lots of cards. But once you got it all set up. And once you started taking your first few turns and seeing how all the mechanics work together, it was so rewarding just mm. from yeah. having learned the rules. And then you start playing. I sank ships. I got sunk. It was <laughs> it was such an open world feeling experience. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I could run and go for the, a more... You could be a merchant. You could do the trading route. And you could take on quests and try to sail all over the globe. Or you could uh, take take your little ship in and take take out some merchants, take out some other players, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. then upgrade to a big galleon <laughs> and yeah. start really yeah. sinking down the the admiral captains. Um, not, that was such a rush, and yeah. the dice roll um, oh, mechanics don't. that it adds 
just I'm still bitter a little bit. <laughs> it just gives you that tingling yep. feeling of risk, no yep. matter what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I, I have to say, I really enjoy this game mm-hmm. and I'll oh, probably, so you played it too? Oh yeah, I played it with uh, Steven and, and Evan. Oh, I didn't so, know. Yeah, because he got a play-in with just Evan, and then we played a three-player. Okay. So I almost bought the second copy at, at the flea market, because wow. I really I might still try to pick this up. I'm kicking wow. myself for not picking that one up. But you have it, so I can yeah. play it with you. Yes. But I was shocked at how well you taught, because the game didn't strike me as complex at all, mm-hmm. the way you explained it. I mean it helped that you had already done the setup and you said, so we're going to do this and here's some things you can do. And, mm-hmm. and I had that handy little reference sheet of my own, you know, to look at, but yeah, I mean, we were up and running pretty quickly and, mm-hmm. oh man. So Andrew, as somebody who's played Zaya, kind of the other big <sighs> open world, man, game, do you think it's, well, the first, I'm not going to ask you to say which is better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> only one playthrough here, but that's true. But is it fair to compare the two? Yes, it's fair. Okay. Zaya is more ambitious, but Merchants and Marauders might be more satisfying. I think I might say that. Zaya is definitely more ambitious. There's way more you can do in Zaya. It's more open of an open world, you Mm -hmm. could say. But that also means, like space, you've got long stretches of nothingness. Uh, You know, there's parts of the games that don't hit as nicely as others. You know, some parts of it are really satisfying, and then there's some rough spots. Merchants and Marauders, I think... It's probably more polished. It does a little less, but what it does, it might do better. Mm. And see, this is even harder for me because I absolutely adore both themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love pirates and I love sci-fi. So, ah. so if they could make Treasure Planet the open world game. Oh, now that I'd play. Oh, yeah. I'd play back on that. I love that movie. That was so good. Yeah. Cool. Let's just say if money were no object, I'd own both of these games. Mm-hmm. I think they're both great. I think if you're looking for an open world game, you can't go wrong with either of them. Like, go play them, go enjoy them. Yeah, it was good. How long did it take you to learn it, Steven? Um, I'd say again, it was about an hour and a half through the rules. Um, it it gives you 45 minutes per player for an experienced play. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it took us a little bit more than that, but probably three and a half. That was about right for our play. I think our play clocked in at just about three hours. Yeah. Okay. Which like Zaya, time flies yeah, by. It's not a heavy I mean, three. Yeah, no, yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that one. That that was really a good game. Well, you ready for the big one? Okay, yeah. Let's talk about it. I'm gonna, I'm prepped to talk more about this next week, but let's at least give it a shout out here at the tail end of this week. My top game was Farkle. What if I thought six dice could be so fun? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's Yahtzee on steroids. (laughs) I actually kind of like Farkle, but anyway. (laughs) Uh, It's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) We should talk about this more. Actually, I was thinking about Farkle when I played a really bad dice game last week, and I thought, Farkle's even better than this. Anyway, no, my my top play was Lisboa. Oh, oh. It Vito just, Lacerda, we have fallen in love with you. Vito. And your games. You are the man. I, wow. I cannot believe I've not played any one of your games before. Yeah. I've been turned off by the warnings about how heavy they are, although I like heavy euros. You do, more than I do. I just, I, some of the heavy euros I've played have been unnecessarily complex, and maybe mm-hmm. I was expecting that. What I did not expect was such a rich, complex set of interlocking mechanics that you just touch one thing on one side and right. it, something goes 
pouring on the other side. Right. And it's all thematic. It's not like you're turning a wheel and twisting a thing and right. converting things into things that that clearly the author has stretched to somehow fit this universe. Right. Everything in Lisboa is completely thematic to the destruction of the city in, I forget what year it was. It 1700s. Got, oh my gosh, it was like the worst luck ever. They got yeah. hit with like an earthquake and fires and tsunami. <laughs> well, and they had an earthquake which caused a tsunami and the earthquake also caused fires. So <laughs> they hit, they got the triple whammy in, you know, a week and the city was leveled. And here's the thing about this game. So Vital Lacerda, for those of you who don't know, is a Portuguese designer. I His did not hometown even know is Lisbon. Wow. So this is really a case of a guy who loves this city, who loves this history, and started from that point to design a game that tells a story. Yeah. And this is a heavy Euro. If you had asked me a week ago, I wouldn't have said that it was possible for a heavy Euro to, to be this thematic. But... If you are a game designer designing heavy euros, please go look at Vital Lacerda's games. Not only are they tightly coupled mechanically, so not only do all the mechanics kind of inform each other and feed off each other and make sense together, but the theme is a mechanic almost. I mean, yeah. all of the mechanics are drawn straight from the theme. There's a justification for every... One row of buildings is narrower than the others. And it says in the rule book, you know, oh, there's no gameplay difference. It's just that that's actually how Lisbon is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why he did it. That's how faithful he is to his source material. And in addition to all that, the guy can just design a heck of a game. Yeah. A really good game mechanically as well. Oh, I, so, I, I mean, this is, I really need to pace myself. I need to, yeah. I need to sell off some games and reward myself by buying his entire yeah. collection because <laughs> oh, it is. I want to play Lisboa. I never want to play another Euro again, except maybe Lancaster. But I, I, okay, I've, yeah. we've only had one play. Yeah, so let's let's temper let's, the hype let's, train a little bit. Let's here. deconstruct this for a little bit, though, because I, we had a lot of interruptions that day. Yeah, but if you were to say how much time you had to spend in the rulebook before we were even ready to play. If you took the interruptions out, how long would that have been? I probably read this rule book for two and a half hours straight. Yep. Easy. Because yep. you guys played two games of Captain Sonar. Uh, I did setup to. And then you're going to sit in front of the board and you're going to think, I have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. Folks, yeah. look, we're not novices here. We've played heavy games like Russian Railroads. This Turn thing makes Russian Railroads look like Century Spice Road. It's true. It, this thing has a lot going on. But I would encourage you not to give up on it because mm -hmm. by the end of the game, and we played for about three hours, I think, right? I think the actual game oh. was three, three and a half hours. Three and a half hours? Easily. Yeah. 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 When the I game left itself, at 11, once you we, were still playing that wig game. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're in wigs, not victory points. Yes. Victory wigs. But uh, wig tree points. I, I would <laughs> encourage you: do not give up on this game. Watch some. We didn't have the benefit. Of, I mean, I guess we could have done it. I, I didn't think of teachers it. wanted flag. Well, teachers wanted flag. You're getting online to watch. There, there have been several runs oh, of yeah. this game that we could have watched and, and made it easier. At some point, though, this game is so tactile. You must pick it. You must just start playing yeah. and taking actions, not even understanding what it is that you're doing, because at some point in the middle of the game, you'll, you're going to go. Ah, uh, that's why I need yeah. the ship. 
Oh, that's why I need to build the buildings in the the, the private buildings. Right. Oh, that's how the public buildings and the right. private buildings interact. That's right. what rubble is for. Yeah. All of that is going to hit you, and you're going to go, right. oh, boy, this is rich. I think the greatest sign of this game, how special it is, and I, I realize that we're gushing here. We need to pace ourselves. We'll talk about it more next week, try to be a little more measured. But I think the biggest sign of success of this game is who we played it with. Mm-hmm. Jather is a friend of all three of ours, and he's into games, but not as not nearly as much as even you are, Stephen. I mean, he's played Escape, The Curse of the Temple, and Smash Up, and a couple other games. Mm-hmm. And we drop him into this three-hour Euro. So, okay, you may say this is a recipe for disaster. And, you know, Jather's super smart. He can handle it, but he just doesn't have any exposure to this kind of game. And by the end of the game, he was having those exact same moments. He was saying, you know, I love this game. I see how it all fits together. It all fits together. It's just so incredible. He fell for this game. Yeah. And he has not played a game nearly this heavy. And yet, even even for him, this game was was awesome. That was just a really cool mark to me. I was I'm kind of reminded of that movie Hugo, where where they showed all of the wasn't that um, oh is that the Georges Melier right? Mm-hmm. But sort of at the beginning, you know, when you when you see that that, that robot that's kind of got all the gears and everything oh, yeah. makes some work and all the clockwork in there and just looking at the gears and how they operated together, it was such a thing of beauty. Right. It was mechanical. It was utterly mechanical. Yeah. But it was also just incredibly beautiful. Right. There are some games you play that they're they're mechanical, but there's no there's no beauty in how it fit right. together. This is just uh, it, it both it hits on both. Yeah. Um it, it is mechanically beautiful. I, that yes. sounds I, I I don't know how else to say it. And I actually have problems with, with the graphic design of this game. I love it. I have I don't, to admit, I love it. Not with the artwork, but right. with, with its functionality and how right. it's laid out. It could have been a lot cleaner. It could have been, but I'm willing to overlook it. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> I see pastel colors I like. Yeah, yeah, right? So. Well, hey, we need to land this plane. We're an hour in. We've got a lot to talk about because we did more gaming this weekend than we've done the past two weeks. So. Here's what we're going to do. If you're listening at home, never fear. You get to hear about the rest of the games that we tried. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to give you a rundown of every new game we tried. That's just going to be the whole episode. So we're doing a Geekway double feature here. So you've got part one. can look forward to part two dropping on Monday. So we are going to wrap this up, and we'll see you next week. This has been Get On Board. You can find us on the web at www.getonboard.games. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Tim. And this was Steven. Who may be a repeat performer. We really liked having him on here. Play more games. Bye. Yeah. The, the scale of it. You repeat that. Just start from the scale of it. Okay, let me go turn that off first. Good call.